What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage It Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Before we get into it, I'd really appreciate it if you guys like, subscribe. We've even got each of our socials in the description down below and a Spotify link as well if you prefer an audio format. So, yeah, check that out. Today, we're going to be going over the Thursday night football game, which we all predicted right, but, man, we could not have gotten the events of the game more wrong. I don't think anyone was expecting that. And we're going to get into the Sunday slate. Josh, you want to get us started with some Chargers and Raiders? Yep. Uh, in my pregame notes, I have here Chargers are sad and dead. My postgame notes, Chargers are sadder and deader. Uh, this was a horrendous game. Um, Staley and Telesco, the GM, are both gone from the Chargers following this game. The Raiders hang 63 points on them. Uh, second most points of the season behind the Dolphins, 70, uh, of course. But that would have been cool to see them try to go chase that record. But teams don't seem to want to chase that record, really. Um, this Raiders defense continues to be great. They were a lot of the touchdowns scored today for the Raiders. There was just nothing, or today, Thursday for the Raiders. There was nothing that Easton Stick could do uh, all game long. He looked horrible. Uh, I guess give some credit then to Justin Herbert because this team without him is somehow worse than we could have imagined. Uh, AOC bounces back. Last time they played, we talked about it. He had he got sacked seven times. This time he was posed, uh, poised in the pocket and did what he had to do to win this game. Had a lot of good throws. And overall, uh, I'm, I would just love this Raiders defense. Uh, they're just fun to watch. They make plays. They got out just a ton of playmakers on defense. And if their offense can just put together some points, they're going to win games. And they did that in bunches on Thursday. Yeah, I've really only got a couple main points, or a few main points from this game. Uh, one, Staley's gone, so war is over. Chargers fans, rejoice, all six of you. Uh, and we got a new score, Gami. 63 to 21 has never happened before, so that's always a great thing to see in the NFL. And this Chargers team just looks so unmotivated from the get-go. I think what did the game even jump out to? 42 to nothing or 49 to nothing? Something it was like that, yeah. it was atrocious. They just you could see that they knew that their season was done and they they were just sick of everything. And like you said, Josh, Herbert was holding this team. Uh, together way more than we could really have initially thought obviously there was the the talk on social media about oh yeah he's a social media quarterback or he just can't win when it when it matters or oh yeah it's always his team's fault but it's never his fault but I think we're truly seeing what this offense is going to look like uh, without Herbert no no knock on Easton Stick he's a young guy sure he got a little bit of potential but this team is vastly different without Herbert and it's going to show the Raiders, on the other hand, they came out swinging. They, this players-led team or so-called players-led team, they got the job done. Zamir White got the start in the backfield instead of Josh Jacobs, and he looked really nice at times. Devontae Adams, they actually targeted him for more than just one half this week and paid off for them as well. He actually caught a touchdown pass from, I think it was Jacoby Myers, but it was, it was a while ago, I think four or five days ago, so my memory might be uh, failing me. But Trey Tucker got two touchdowns as well on three catches, so good for him. He had a nice little breakout game. Hopefully he's a little bit more involved in the offense as we go along as a deep threat just to round out the season. And, yeah, Raiders, they just, I guess, ruined their draft pick in what seems to be a relatively lost season uh, for both teams. But Chargers, they have a lot of stuff to fix in the offseason. They do have a lot to fix, and I think they're $42 million over the cap. That's a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of cuts, especially on that defensive side of the football. I'd expect probably Khalil Mack, Joseph Day, Kendricks. you got to free up money somewhere. And this defense has not played good, and I think that's where you have to go and cut some guys. Uh, 
I'm so happy finally they fire Staley. I've been waiting for this moment for a while now. An embarrassing performance by every single uh, part of the team. It'll be exciting to see if uh, one of the top coaches in this cycle, Ben Johnson, Bobby Sloak, if they would want to go to the Chargers considering their cap room. You go there and you have one of the best young quarterbacks in Herbert, but not in a good situation money-wise. Um, 42 to nothing at halftime is a ridiculous score. Uh, embarrassing. Aiden O'Connell had probably his best game. Uh, this is the second time he played the Raiders or the Chargers, and this is his – he dominated them this time. Didn't get sacked by Cleo Mack six times. Four touchdowns, 20 for 34, 248 yards. Chargers defense had no answers for him. And uh, just shout out Antonio Pierce. What a rebound. They lost three to nothing last week. Embarrassing offensive performance and 42 at halftime is not something you see often. They're still a long shot from the playoffs, but the fact that they haven't quit is something to take note of for Antonio Pierce. And good, good job by him. Impressed. All right, moving on to the first Saturday game, Vikings at Bengals. Uh, Vikings were in control for most of this one. I didn't really get to sit down and watch a ton of it, but I was doing a lot of scoreboard peeking uh, throughout the three hours, and there was a lot of just Vikings up by a lot. They have the ball. They're in control. And then before you know it, you tune, tune in in the fourth quarter, and the Bengals are making their comeback to win this game. Um, you have to ask yourself, because Mullins played all right, but he had a couple of really, really crucial turnovers. Uh, that screwed Minnesota over pretty bad in this one. You have to wonder, maybe do they go back to Dobbs? Uh, as we know, the Lions tend to struggle with more mobile quarterbacks. Uh, so I could see them maybe going back to Dobbs uh, on next Sunday for a huge game for them in Minnesota against Detroit. Uh, so they're going to really, really want to and have to win that game. So I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe Dobbs come back. Uh, Ty Chandler, he went off for Minnesota. Uh, Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson both played well. Uh, Addison actually had a better game than Jefferson, uh, which was something of note. Like I said, he got a Addison got a lot of credit early when Jefferson went down, uh, and then as the season went on, he just wasn't playing that well, and no one was really talking about it. Now that he has Jefferson back, he gets to operate as a wide receiver too. Uh, you're seeing him having a couple pretty good games, um, but yeah, Bengals on the other hand, they scored three straight touchdowns in the last three drives uh, to win this game, and. I'm just impressed with what we've seen so far from this Bengals team minus Joe Burrow. They're putting themselves in a, uh, a spot where they can make the playoffs, and I guess once you're in the playoffs, we saw it with Nick Foles. Uh, anything could happen. Yeah, I mean, the Jake Browning storyline is that, is phenomenal considering what we thought this team would turn into after Burrow went down, but I just want to talk about that T. Higgins catch. I don't know if you guys saw it live, but that was the definition of a jaw-dropping catch. Somehow came out of the end zone, snagged it, just pure hands, got both feet in, stayed in bounds, and just somehow reached over the goal line with it. That was, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, how it is just absolutely mind-boggling how insane that was. But this was another game where Jamar Chase was relatively uh, quiet for most of the game. He did have four catches for 64 yards, but he just especially in fourth quarter and overtime, they were missing his presence, but he wasn't making crazy impact plays while he was there either, in my opinion. But Jake Browning, considering he lost his number one option for the crucial moments of the game, he hooked up with T. Higgins multiple times. They got it done. Props to him. Joe Mixon was solid as a receiver and a runner in this game. And once again, Chase Brown continues to be a very uh, a juice player for what it, for what it's worth. He's not getting a lot of snaps, but 
in the ones where he's involved, he's making a big impact, and you can really tell by how it's switching momentum. You this game was 17 to 3 in the third quarter, and entering the fourth quarter, I was thinking, man, Bears playoffs hope Bears playoff hopes are dead. And obviously, we hadn't seen Sunday's game. So I was still riding pretty high after this Bengals win. I was the biggest Bengals fan on earth for this one. But on the Vikings side, like you said, Josh, uh, Ty Chandler, it felt like he's had a lot more juice than uh, Madison the entire year. Uh, even on special teams, he had a couple uh, fake punt runs that got first downs and have been really impressive as well. And Jordan Addison, he's been a phenomenal rookie. He went quiet a little bit the last few weeks, but really showed up in a big way this game. Unfortunately, they could not come out with a win. And like you said, you have to wonder whether uh, the inconsistencies of Nick Mullins will warrant the Vikings switching to Dobbs for a matchup where mobile quarterbacks tend to thrive against Detroit. Yeah, Bengals uh, win their third straight game with Jake Browning. They're in a playoff spot right now, and they're they're looking pretty good. They do have a one of the rougher schedules coming up from the teams contending for the playoffs. They got Steelers, Chiefs, Browns, three games that will probably be pretty tough. Jake Browning, fourth quarter, he just took over. He wanted to win this game. He did, 13 for 19 and 184 yards in fourth quarter in overtime. He dominated with uh, Chase Jamar Chase out. Um, AC joint sprain, so hopefully he can be back next week. I don't know. Um, not ideal for fantasy football playoff owners. Uh, Vikings had this game. They were up 17-3 to in the third quarter. But Mullins, two interceptions, one in the red zone, one on Cincy's 22-yard line. Just can't have it. Ended up costing them the game, really. And it's just uh, not ideal for the Vikings. You wanted to win this game, continue your uh, playoff streak going, and you didn't get it. Uh, and the Bengals now, they're trying to sneak their way into the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see that AFC uh, wildcard picture is very, very close. At least for the Vikings, the Packers keep losing as well, so that's helping them out a ton. Um, but moving on here to Steelers at Colts. Speaking of that wild card in the AFC, uh, Colts win this game. They end the game on a 30-0 to run, uh, which is just phenomenal from them. Uh, Michael Pittman out with a concussion. Hopefully he can come back. That would be big for them next week. And just in general, you'd hate to see the guys at the top of the league getting hurt, especially down the stretch here. Um, Mitch got benched or is getting benched uh, next week for Mason Rudolph. We heard that information uh, today, this morning. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. I know AB was calling for Mason Rudolph. Uh, so he got his wish, Coach AB. Uh, and the Steelers are just fully dead in the water. Um, this It's just – I wanted to just talk about the Steelers as a whole here and just where they've been. I'm trying to remember a stat. It was uh, – I think it was Tomlin's been the coach of the Steelers for 17 years, and he only has four playoff wins. Only four times he's made it out of the first round. It was something like that, like a wild stat because he's regarded as one of the best coaches in the league. He always just consistent over 500. But the success long-term hasn't been there. Do I think they should fire Tomlin? Absolutely not, even though I see a lot of people and like the Steelers and just Pittsburgh Twitter uh, talking about how they want Tomlin out and they want a fresh start. But at the same time, when you have a team that's, like, not that good and you have a coach as good as Tomlin is, he's going to get them at least to the point where they're going to be middle of the league. Like, it's rare to see, like we're seeing with Belichick this year in the Patriots, where they're at the bottom of the league and they have one of the best coaches. That just doesn't happen, and that gets you into a period with a coach where you end up being mediocre for a very long time. It kind of seems that's where the Steelers are. Uh, So something has to change. I don't have the answers, but something's got to change with this team. 
Yeah, the one picture I really can't get out of my mind was Allen Robinson after probably a three and out that he's seen a million times with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. He's just thinking back to his times in Chicago, just praying that he never has to go back to that place again uh, with a terrible quarterback, even though he is slightly underwhelming. Either way, the Steelers, you have to start thinking about maybe taking a quarterback if Bo Nix or Penix or something is there in the second round, or if you want to trade back in the first round to maybe get somebody because or at least just give Kenny Pickett some competition because you can't waste a great coach like Tomlin. I would not fire him. I would not like give him one more year. I'd just make sure he's in Pittsburgh for as long as possible. He's a good coach. He always produces some really solid defenses, regardless of his defensive coordinator. Obviously the offensive coordinator has been, or offense in general has been the main issue throughout his tenure, at least since uh, big Ben and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown have been there that's always been the main issue is the offensive side of the ball and just the lack of a consistent run game. We've seen it uh, every game after the 400 yard game for the the first one in 58 games or something after Canada was fired. We saw it when Canada was here, they just could not get anything consistent on the ground going. And it just does not help the quarterbacks at all. Whoever's back there. And there's a lot of things the Steelers could really do to boost their team in the off season. And I think quarterback has to be something you look at. I agree. I think they should look at a quarterback 100%. Uh, this was a scary game for the Colts. Really, you go down thirteen nothing again. Um, you are uh, worried that maybe what's happened last week with the Bengals is going to happen again, but it didn't. Uh, nice touchdown drive. Pittman had a nice deep catch. Zach Moss, uh, nice check down, fourteen yard touchdown. Got Horace Kyler tackled a pretty dirty tackle. He was out for the rest of the game after that tackle. Um, they get the ball back. Michael Pittman gets hit in a very vulnerable position by Kazi. He was ejected from the game and has been suspended for the rest of the season. Uh, I didn't think the hit was worth a suspension for the season, but it's they said um he has about six already fines from dirty hits. Uh, he might have already had a suspension before this, so that could make sense. Um, it was a hospital ball, but really you can't make that hit in today's NFL. It's just you can't. Um, Colts offense... Obviously, they don't have Anthony Richardson, no Jonathan Taylor. They lost Zach Moss early. They lost Pittman in this game. They haven't had Jelani Woods all season. And no Braden Smith, and their offense just went out there and ran the ball all over the Steelers' defense. At one point, they ran the ball 13 straight times down the field and were able to just milk the clock. Steelers didn't have really anything going. Shane Steichen had another great play-calling game. Gardner Minshew looked great. Uh, without Zach Moss, Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson stepped up and played great, which is pretty good when your third and fourth string running back can come in and deliver big games. Colts, they still have their own uh, fate for the playoffs. They decide their own fate. They have a big game against Atlanta next week in Atlanta. That's going to pretty much be a playoff game for Atlanta and the Colts almost as well. And for the Steelers, uh, you can really tell their offensive issues stemmed way deeper than Matt Canada. They, the receivers just don't give effort in the run blocking game. That's a big issue. George Pickens, Jalen Warren should have walked into a touchdown on their second drive, and George Pickens just didn't block at all. Warren was tackled at like the four yard line. They had to fight their way into the end zone after that. These receivers just care more, it seems like, about the celebration, making highlight plays than actually winning the games and getting their hands dirty in the run game. Uh, big egos, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, uh, just you got to be better than that. You got to care more. Um, I can't remember what Minka Fitzpatrick said last week, but 
he said something like everyone who puts on this black and gold now just expects to win. They don't want to go out and earn it. They just expect to get it. And I kind of can see that with this Steelers team. So uh, Tom and Williams to start taking over and get back to that Steelers culture of earning everything instead of just expecting everything. Uh, but for the Colts, big win. You t- take control of your own destiny. Um, Gardner Minshew's looked great and hope that continues for him. All right, moving on here to the night game on Saturday. The Lions get back on track and dismantle the Broncos 42-17. to uh, The Lions played great in this game. They needed to play great. Uh, this is a game where a lot of people came in doubting. A lot of people were trying to pick the Broncos. I was seeing more uh, of, like, the, you know, like the specialist graphics or whatever, like ESPN will put out, and it's, like, all the people and their picks. That I was pretty shocked to see more Broncos picks than Lions there because I knew people were in doubt about the Lions. But I didn't think it was to the point where everyone thought they were going to lose at home to the Broncos. Uh, but they played great. Uh, they proved those people wrong, I guess. Uh, the offense started out slow, uh, three punts to start this game, which was a tough look coming off of the game against the Bears where they played horrible on offense. The last, the second half of the game, the prior week against the Saints, they were approaching seven straight quarters of just pitiful offense. Uh, but then they go and score touchdowns on five straight drives after that and six out of the last seven drives to end the game. Uh, so they just totally dominated from that point. They were passing all over the Denver secondary. J-Mo was getting involved. He had a career high. He had four catches on seven targets, which is a career high for him in touches in a game. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown got back to business, seven catches, 112 yards and a touchdown. That's regular everyday shit from him. You have other receivers out here with four catches for 52 yards. Like, that's everyday shit from Amon Ra. He's not playing around with those pussies. Uh, but anyways, uh, Lions just punished him uh, on, uh, with the run game after that. Dave Montgomery was phenomenal. Gibbs had one of his best games of the season. He's on a full-on breakout. Uh, not even to mention Sam Laporta, three touchdowns, five catches, 56 yards. He's just been phenomenal all season long and proving to be just a great draft pick. It's not a coincidence either that the Lions offense all of a sudden looks again when they ha- looks good again when they have their O-line back. Uh, this is the most healthy their O-line has been since week one, basically. And actually not even week one. This is the healthiest they've been. Uh, we're only missing Big V, who's just never plays football anymore. Uh, so Graham Glasgow's there at right guard. And you've got Decker, Jonah, Ragnow, Glasgow, and uh, Panay Sewell left to right on that O-line. They were phenomenal. They really enforced their will on this on the Denver D-line, and Denver just had no chance in this game. In other news, uh, C.D. Deuce, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, is going to be practicing this week, and the return for him is likely at Dallas or versus Minnesota Week 18. Ali McNeil is looking like he's going to be back Week 18. Uh, that's just two huge gets for this Lions defense going into the playoffs. Uh, I was saying it since the beginning, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was the second-best player on this defense after Hutch. Uh, losing him in week two was brutal, uh, but getting back to business with him will be great. Uh, Afatu Melifamu has been fantastic replacing Tracy Walker. Tracy was struggling mightily. Uh, if he comes in after getting benched two seasons in a row, basically, comes in at playing a different position at safety and was phenomenal. Uh, but, yeah, I feel great about this Lions win. Uh, Denver was still one of the hottest teams in the league. I think they were like six of seven or something. Uh, shut them down. Didn't really give them a chance to win this game. I said they needed to win two out of the last four uh, to be in a good spot. I think they're going to beat Minnesota twice, and then we'll see what happens against Dallas. But I think they're in a good spot. 
Yeah, Lions needed a win, but I honestly didn't expect them to win like by this much, especially with Denver playing really well offensively and defensively uh, the last five, six weeks or so. They uh, they fought tooth and nail to get themselves back up to above 500 at seven to six coming into the game. But unfortunately, just things didn't go their way. But Detroit, this is the type of game you want to see from Detroit. Their O-line was dominating uh, for a majority of the game. Monty and Gibbs were just phenomenal in between the tackles, just making guys miss, just extending plays. They were they were phenomenal. And like you said, Josh, Amon Ra, he was on his regular shit. Uh, he played really well. But maybe a guy who went four for 52 this week, he also put up like eight for over 130 when he played Denver. But that's just me, I don't know, grasping at straws, I guess. But Laporta, he found the end zone three times, which was terrible for me in fantasy. Uh, screw you, Mike. But, uh, yeah, the Lions were having a field day out there. And like you said, McNeil and uh, Garner Johnson, getting them back before the playoffs, letting them get some reps in in week 18, maybe even 17 for uh, C.D. Deuce, I believe you said his name was. But uh, that's going to be huge for them. Just let them work their way back into the defense. And if they can get some crucial stops and make a lot of plays in a wild card game or even a divisional game, that can be huge for this Detroit team who can really move the ball when they want to, when they're healthy. And it's looking like they're getting healthier and healthier every single week on that offensive line. They're going to be scary in the playoffs. Yeah. The Broncos upward trajectory was halted by the lions. They'd won six of their last seven. They were looking pretty good playing well, and they just got shit pumped in this game. Uh, Jared Goff looked at the quarterback we'd seen earlier in the season, got the ball to a Monra a lot, seven catches, 112 a touchdown. Laporta had three touchdowns. A uh, big day from those two. Jameer Gibbs had a great game, 11 carries, 100 yards. That's a little over nine yards per carry. This offense was just humming all game. Jamison Williams had a solid game, four catches for 47 yards. Nice to see him get some multiple catches. I uh, hope his volume continues to go up. For the Broncos, it's just really disappointing. Um, you could have won out and found yourself in the playoffs, but you just got punched in the mouth here. Uh, they had virtually no running game. Uh, and they now need a lot of help kind of to make the playoffs with how close this uh, AFC division is. Lions, they've swept the AFC West this year, and they picked up a much-needed win and a much-needed blowout. Yeah, we own the AFC West. We own the NFC South at this point. So if, if something happens and we choke the North, just remember we have those divisions. So <laughs> everything will be okay. Uh, but moving on here to the NFC North still, Bears at Browns. Uh, Bears led for most of this game, choked at the end once again. Uh, another late game choke for this Bears team where the, they choke it away. And then when the offense has to come back on the field, when Fields has to come back on the field, he just consistently, consistently cannot perform in those moments. The proof is in the pudding. There's no really arguing it anymore. He has not proven to be any sort of a clutch player in his career so far. I don't think you can really say he has been. It's been a common theme for them. Um, Fields is fairly disappointing game overall. Tanya did sell him on that one touchdown, though. That was brutal i don't know how he dropped that it was a beautiful ball uh rolling out of the pocket too but outside of that um i didn't tune into this game a bunch but when i did i felt like i saw a field miss a couple throws uh especially on the sidelines uh just air mailing guys Edmonds has been great recently he had a pick six in this one he looked good uh bears defense looked good for the most part i think they had what three picks on flacco uh but three when... picks touchdown i think they had like four maybe five sacks they were great yeah and then you get into the fourth quarter and all of a sudden he just dices you up and does Joe Flacco things. But, yeah, brutal loss for the Bears. Kills all the chances of the playoff. Are they statistically eliminated? Technically, no. They could make it at 8-9, and nine, but they would need Minnesota to lose out. Green Bay would have to lose. 
Uh, maybe Green Bay doesn't have to, but the Rams would have to lose out. Uh, I think Seattle would have to lose out, or at least three of their next four because they haven't played this week. Uh, Giants might have to lose one more because uh, coming into this week, they only had to lose one, and then the Bears had to win out. But Bears didn't win out, so Giants the Panthers have to, have to go 4-0 to end the season. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just you. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have about this one. Yeah, I mean... This game was honestly just classic Justin Fields, everything we've seen from his entire career. You see a couple really special plays that guy that maybe three, maybe four guys in the entire league can make happen. Uh like that throw to Tunyon or the touchdown pass to Komet. Broke a sack from Miles Garrett, arguably one of the best defensive players in the entire league. And just rolling left, throwing a strike through a defender's arms or just, just pass a defender's arms to Komet in the corner of the end zone. It was gorgeous. But when it comes down to it, this Bears offense as a whole just couldn't get it done. It's been for this game, I could easily blame play calling. And I think that was the biggest problem. Not the only problem. There's a lot of lack of execution, specifically by fields on a couple easier passes. And Darno Mooney, especially in run blocking, he was miserable. And it really sucks that Darno Money with two O's has just disappointed me this year. You hate to see it, but I think it's going to be time for him to get a new uh, change of scenery. But regardless, uh, Luke Getze on the drive with, I believe, five minutes left. Uh, you start off by going with a crack toss, and that loses four yards. You ask Cole Komet to block Miles Garrett or just move enough to go and get a piece of Miles Garrett. And obviously, just talked about him. Miles Garrett, he's a freak athlete. You're not, that's a tall order for a tight end to block Miles Garrett. It's not going to happen. So you automatically put your quarterback in the entire offense and a hold the next play. And the fact that Justin Fields has been facing pressure the entire game, it's just the Browns can send five, maybe six, and you'll just get one on ones with Miles Garrett. I believe Braxton Jones gave up eight pressures, but Miles Garrett was also held without a sack. So there's also positives to it. Braxton Jones has been a very solid player this entire year. Uh, I believe he played the first three or four games. Then he went on IR with a neck injury. Then he came back and he was just a drastic improvement for the O-line. Tevin Jenkins went down today and Cody Whitehair came in. I didn't notice too many issues with him, but uh, him and Lucas Patrick should not be on the team next year. But I'm going to start going to my fields talk now. I know last couple of weeks I've been on the boat of, yeah, rock with fields as your quarterback next year. But honestly, giving him a third head coach in four years, his third offensive system in four years, given his flaws and given the rookie quarterback class coming up, I think fields can still be a good quarterback. He's a phenomenal playmaker. There are things he can do with his legs that other players just are simply unable to do. But if your offensive coordinator is simply inept and just refuses to use that to their advantage or just uses that incorrectly, there's no point in having him. I think you need to go out and into the draft. If we finish with pick one, which today gave me a little bit of, or yesterday gave me a scare with the Panthers winning without scoring a damn touchdown. Fuck you, Atlanta. Um, it's just, I, I feel like if you finish with pick one, you have to seriously consider taking Caleb Williams because generational may not be the exact word. Cause we throw that around a lot lately, but he's a very good prospect. He's the best uh, quarterback prospect in this draft. And I feel like it's very, very difficult given what you've seen this year and the lack of like that third year leap from fields. It's going to be very difficult to not take him at one. It's going to be difficult. Uh, the Bears script this year might be the easiest script to read in the NFL. 
they'll win a game maybe Justin Fields will play all right the fans get locked in and say he's the quarterback of the future this is the game to decide Fields' career and then he goes out plays underwhelming and they find different reasons as to why they lost um I feel like this is the fourth time this season where the Bears well it is the third time I think uh they should have won the game where they just blow it late their odds of winning losing all three of those games was 0. 0.003 I think yeah um just an underwhelming game from fields he's going against a great defense they were very hurt though and he completed under 50 percent of his passes only 166 passing yards and a touchdown I'm gonna say he had no interceptions considering the first interception just wasn't it was a Hail Mary and he just didn't catch it and the second interception was another Hail Mary um only had 30 yards rushing DJ top five more 52 receiving yards on four catches. Mm-hmm. Just underwhelming it up. I mean, I, I would like you to explain how this game was his fault. He was playing on one, a hurt ankle, and he was playing with a quarterback who's very inconsistent and an offensive coordinator who probably couldn't read a McDonald's menu if you put it in front of him. So where did I say it was his fault? I'm not saying you said it was his fault, but I'm saying like using his stats against them in that situation is a little rough given his surroundings, you know? Isn't that what you just did to Amon Ra last week? No. I didn't blame Ben Johnson or Jared Goff. I just said he had a really bad drop. (laughs) I'm a big Ben Johnson fan for a majority of the time of him calling plays. He's been really good. Goff, for the better part of a year, he's been pretty solid. He just had a rough stretch the last uh, month, but last week he got back on track. This isn't about them. This is about DJ Moore having a piss poor performance. Calling that a piss poor performance is crazy. (laughs) I mean, for top five, it is. If you're watching the film, he is beating his guys consistently, like in one-on-ones, and it's just, it's Justin Fields not ripping it. So so then Fields is just not the guy at all then. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. I feel like you've been pretty wishy-washy the past. I I don't think he is here. I've been very wishy-washy, but it's not even because of that. I was trying to remain objective to get the entire picture of this year. But with the OC, with the O-line being as inconsistent as it has been health-wise and at the center position, and obviously the OC said it twice, probably should be saying it at least three more times because of how bad Getsy is. It's just, it's not meant to be. I mean, it's Fields not. played well against the Lions and he played well against the Broncos. I don't think he didn't play well in this game. Um, but regardless, the three late game chokes, when you had a guy like Badgett start four games in the season, all three are on fields. Badgett wasn't in any of them. I know fields played great against the Broncos, but at the it's end of the day, if your defense I mean, chokes, you got to be able to go down there and score. And he just proves time and time again, he can't. I'm going to be honest. The bears should have won this game, but the lack of the ability to move the ball on offense through the first like three quarters, it just wears down your own defense by putting them back on the field over and over and over again. That, that was so like, 2020 of the Chicago Bears where the defense would get a good amount of stops and then the offense just couldn't move the ball so they'd like sit down they put their helmets on a little rack get a little warm because it's a crisp November day in Chicago and then they're just like oh yeah we went three and out again because Mitch Trubisky can't hit the broad side of a barn so get well, back the same out thing there as and get us another it's stop the, it's the same thing it's the same cycle uh, it, I saw it two kind... years ago that it was coming you guys were gonna right when it was time to bail on fields you were going to do it and pretend that you didn't gas him up for three years. This oh, was 100% gas him. He's got all the talent in the world to be a top five guy. It's just between the ears, it just wasn't connecting. And Getsy certainly did not help. 
all that shit that was going on with them. The only difference this time is now you guys get a gift of number one. Hey, you know and what? It's hard to fuck this up. It's not a gift. Poles earned it. He fleeced the Panthers. King Poles back at it again. You can't well, I'm just take saying, that shit it just, ha- it just happens. Let us have this. <laughs> you, you can. You, I mean, you can have that. If they don't take Caleb Williams, I died. Oh my! If we if, don't take if, Caleb Williams, if the route they go, we're not trading out of it. I just don't know what we're doing unless Poles in the locker room is just that adamant about Fields being him, and then getting rid of Getzey, getting rid of Fluce. It's just the play calling is I way don't too like, conservative. In spots. I don't like it's the coaching staff. I don't like the coaching staff, but if you keep fields, you cannot fire the coaches again. You can't do that. That's just uh, I, that, that's a, why I'm a, thinking a you, young quarterback having 80 different coaches doesn't play. Right. That's you're why I'm keep thinking fields, you got to keep them. That's why I'm thinking fields is gone strictly because you can't keep Fluce. He's what six and 22 in his time as a bears head coach mm-hmm. or like, I don't even know what eight and 22. I don't even know too many losses to count. Not enough wins. Getsy, he's been way too inconsistent at best as an offensive coordinator. He hasn't even had games where it's like, oh, yeah, he just called a really good game. No, the games where the Bears score last year, it was because Fields did it with his legs. And this year, it was because the Bears played just shitty defenses like Detroit twice, Denver, who gave up 70 the week prior, and Washington, who they benched their rookie, their first round rookie corner because he was playing like ass. And I guess their D-line was pretty good, but for some reason we decided to drop 40 on them. I don't know why, but it, it was a lot of fields bailing out Getsy with his legs and a little bit with his arm rather than Getsy being able to game plan well and fields just not being able to do shit despite Getsy being good. Pretty obvious you cut him both, I think. I think it's pretty easy. You yeah, cut I mean, I would love to keep Fluce as a DC. I think he's done really well with this turnaround. Oh, and I think we should have a conversation that Montez Sweat is in that like tier two of edge rushers. He's not a game wrecker like TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, etc. He's in that tier two with like Hassan Reddick and like uh, Hutchinson. I think he's in there with them. He's been phenomenal since being acquired. At first, I was a little skeptical of the move because one, we didn't have a deal in place. And two, uh, he was playing alongside Chase Young and two really good defensive tackles, but obviously they couldn't pay all four of them. So they traded him away. He's been phenomenal. I think in four or five games, he's got five and a half sacks. He's been outstanding since being traded to the Bears, and I have loved every second of watching him play. Yeah, he's been great. I'd put him above Hutchinson. I don't. I put him pretty close to Red. I don't want to say it, but I I agree. Oh, I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say he's been better than Hutchinson. Uh, Bears defense dominated this game. I think uh, they had six. Watch the Lions. You could you could tell why he doesn't put up the stats that you want him to. I mean, when your secondary is, you're gonna everybody's say, hurt you're gonna in your secondary, the and they're getting posted on the Bears D line. Thank you. I didn't yes. say, did I say the Lions D line suck? What did I just say? You didn't say Listen. that, but that that was a counter I said the secondary. What, not even that. You you, you had a counter argument ready for an argument I didn't make, so that just didn't that make you it. made you made that we argument. We figured it was coming. That's not what I was saying, though. The Lions secondary just gets toasted. Hutch ends up getting the pressure because he can't get to the quarterback in time because they can get it out so fast. That is a thing that happens. You can't just ignore that. Oh, 100 percent But I wouldn't Miles say the Garrett, Bears secondary. Miles great Garrett either. gets all I mean, it's played better than the Lions secondary. The Bears have a lockdown top three corner in the league. The Lions don't. Yeah. Uh, but the Bears linebackers played great today uh yesterday. TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds both played great. Pick six. Uh then the Browns, they just seem to be a team of destiny almost at this point. They just find ways to win games they shouldn't. They got gifted the game by the refs with the Colts. In this game, they get gifted by Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields. Uh, Joe Flacco, he's got some of that cardiac uh, in him. 
fourth quarter comeback again. You still got something left in the tank. Bears, they should have won this game. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts, but they choke it again. Uh, that's what they do a lot. So just disappointing from the Bears. Moving on here. Next game here, Bucks at Packers. Uh, Baker Mayfield went off this game. He had a monster game, 381 yards passing, four touchdowns, no picks. And he's really starting to, like we said a couple weeks ago, he's make, starting to make his case for being the starting quarterback in uh, Tampa Bay next year. Uh, Rashad White continues to be impressive. He's been great over the past, just the second half of the season in general. He's really emerged himself after a slow start uh, where Tampa Bay had no run offense. He's been great for them. Chris Godwin went off 10 catches. Uh, Tampa Bay scored on every single second half drive this game. Uh, they just took the game into their own hands in the second half and just outlasted Jordan Love. Jordan Love has really just not looked great in the past couple of games without Christian Watson. I know they haven't had Christian Watson for most of the season, uh, but we saw in the games where he did have him, like we saw uh, when he had him in Detroit on Thanksgiving, Christian Watson had two touchdowns and dominated that game from start to finish. Uh, ever since they haven't had him, they've lost now to the Giants and the Bucks, back-to-back teams who aren't super impressive. Uh, so Packers are in a tough spot. Their win-out campaign is currently 0-2 to start out. Uh, has not been a great start, but uh, Packers fans will still make their scenarios where they get in. It's looking like at this point, the four or sorry, the six and seven seed is going to be some sort of combination of Minnesota, Green Bay, Seattle, and the Rams. Um, and Green Bay is starting to fall themselves out of that with how they've been playing the past couple weeks. Uh, if I had to guess, it would probably uh, end up being Rams and probably minnesota strictly because it'll be a team from each division i bet right i mean it's going to be green bay and seattle are going to be sitting at six and eight after tonight if i had to guess because jalen hurts is expected to play but i mean you did pick seattle so who knows but for me i'm expecting seattle to take a loss tonight all due respect but it just ain't going to happen but at the same time i mean depending on how this nfc south shakes up with tampa bay getting this win clawing to 500 atlanta they they just did not look good at all, but we'll get to them a little bit later. But like you said, Baker, this is the type of game that you expect from a guy that, even though it was five years ago, you expect a 380-yard, only six total incompletions, four touchdowns from a guy who was drafted at number one overall. And yeah, he could 100% be the starting quarterback for Tampa Bay next year. And if they make some changes to the O-line, uh, run through Rashad White a lot more often and use him uh, in creative ways, they could find themselves at, I don't know, eight, nine, nine and eight next year. If they make no changes to their defense or like offensive uh, skill position groups, just because Baker is going to get more confident within the same system. But like you said, with Jordan love, when he doesn't have Christian Watson, he doesn't look great. Christian Watson. He's a very coming out of school. He was a very raw prospect who wasn't very crisp with his routes. Wasn't a crazy good hands catcher, but he had great long speed and he could take the top off of defense. And that helps guys like this year, like Jaden Reed, who's been tearing it up from the slot and Romeo Dobbs, who's had his occasional really nice game. But today Jaden Reed, he found the end zone again. He's just been a magnet for the end zone this year, but outside of him and Wicks, no one was really standout. Uh, Aaron Jones had a solid return. It felt like they were giving him the ball early and often in the first quarter or two. But outside of that, they stopped going on, going to him, especially in the past game. Uh, I feel like Aaron Jones is easily their best weapon, but they just don't use him enough. I think part of the reason why is because of his health. But at the same time, they were trailing a lot in this game, so they couldn't really afford to go to him a bunch. I know there's a third and one where he got tackled for a loss. 
So you got to hope that something could actually happen in that type of situation instead of going from a fresh set of downs within the red zone into a fourth and two and losing a yard. That's really unfortunate. But Green Bay, like you said, they're probably they're on the outside looking in right now. Uh, 0-2 in terms of their win-out scenario. Uh, probably not going to happen. I'm glad it's not going to happen. And Jordan Love, he's got to find a way to be a little bit better without his top receiving weapon. Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield should be the quarterback at this point for the Buccaneers next year, especially if he continues to play how he has been. Ever since he had that, uh, was it a shoulder injury? He had a couple struggles in Cleveland, struggled in Carolina, uh, struggled in Los Angeles, but He's, he's gotten healthy, and he's looked very, very good this season. Um, I, the way the Browns did him dirty is uh, – I just don't understand. I think they should have stuck with him. But they moved on, and now they're stuck with Deshaun Watson's injury troubles and contract. But Baker had his best performance in a – maybe ever. 381 passing yards, four touchdowns, no picks, perfect passer rating, the first ever perfect passer rating at Lambeau. Rashad White, like you guys said, continues to be a stud. 89 rushing yards, 50 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He's been their best offensive weapon outside of Mike Evans. Chris Godwin had a brilliant game. Um, I thought Jordan Love played okay, um, didn't play great, had two touchdowns. They didn't really have a run game to lean on. They got down early, which has been an issue for them. But Jane Reed, he played great again, like you guys said. Touchdown, six catches for 52 yards. And Dontavion Wicks played great, so... Their young weapons continue to have solid games. They're missing lots, like you guys said, but their pass catchers have been very good. Um, they have a 26% chance to make the playoffs, so they have a chance. They would, at this point, have to win out almost. And um, for the Bucs, they got the Jags next week. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol, so I could possibly see this Bucks team maybe winning out um, and just going to the playoffs. Yeah, the Packers, not maybe. They have to win out. No, I don't see an 8-9 team making the playoffs. I just I just can't imagine that happening. But um, moving on here, Titans at, or Texans at Titans, excuse me. Uh, Titans should have won this game. Uh, they were in charge of this game for most of it. Uh, ended up letting it slip away, similar to how the Dolphins let it slip away against them last Monday night. Uh, they looked really good in the first half. Offense completely stalled in the second half. Credit to the Houston defense. Uh, it's hard to get up and get out there and play defense when your quarterback is out and your offense just isn't producing anything. And they just went out there and kept battling, stopped the Titans offense and did what they needed to do to get their team back in the game and overall got them a season-changing win uh, in this comeback. Case Keenum did just enough to win this game. Hopefully this is the last the Texans have to see of him this season, um, and we'll see CJ Stroud back next week, hopefully. Uh, another huge game for Devin Singletary. He's had a couple of insane games this season. Uh, this one coming at probably the best time where he can take some tension off of Case Keenum, who hasn't played in a long time. And they come back and have a miraculous comeback to win this game. Huge for them. They sit at eight and six now. And you would much rather be one of the eight and six teams in the AFC than the seven and sevens right now. The entire AFC South is sitting at eight and six outside of the Titans. So the race down the stretch stretch, wow, between the Texans, Colts, and Jags, it's gonna be really interesting, especially with uh the Colts maybe getting JT back next week. Uh the Pittman concussion uh question marks, Houston with uh Stroud and his concussion and Nico Collins with his injury, and how Trevor Lawrence just plays while hobbling around on that uh ankle sprain. But in this game, Levis, he did get injured. I believe he got an ankle sprain as well. 
and um, he played the rest of the game as well. But the main story I'm looking at is Derrick Henry, 16 carries for only nine yards. And the Titans were winning for a good majority of the first half and maybe even a little bit in the third quarter as well. And they just they could not get the ground game going with Derrick Henry. And when you can't get Derrick Henry going when he is supposed to be a part of the game script, that's just you don't deserve to win. They're giving him the touches. The O-line just couldn't block for him. He wasn't taking advantage of the small uh, gaps that he did have. It's really unfortunate. And no one receiver really stood out to me. Uh, D-Hop had a really quiet game. Traylon Burks, for the first time in what feels like forever, actually made somewhat of an impact, but even still only three catches. But the Texans, like you said, um, Keenum did just enough. Singletary had one of his great games of the year. He's had a couple others just like it where he just seems to not be able to get tackled on some runs, just getting chunk yards every single play. And Noah Brown, he's had a few games as well where he's been really, really good. But most of them, it's just been Stroud going to everybody and everyone's getting involved. But Noah Brown was the focal point of this offense in this game, uh, in the receiving game. And he played well and he made the Titans pay for it. So congrats to the Texans staying uh, at the top, tied for the top of the AFC South. And Titans, you just got to move on to next year. Yeah, the AFC South is um, it's going to be interesting to see down the line. Uh, Titans brought out the Houston Oilers jersey. Case Keenum's playing for Houston. It seemed to they kind of like just trolled the Texans in this game, and it couldn't have went worse for them in the end. They lost a brutal season. Levis looked very good early, had a couple nice drives, but usually, you know, when the Titans get ahead early, you think that they can just get the ball to Henry and dominate. That just did not happen. The Texans defense just shut him down. They met him behind the line of scrimmage a lot. 16 carries for nine yards, like you said, Zach. Um, just not what you want to see if you're a Titans fan. Very embarrassing. Um, Texans, just their defense dominated this game. Got the job done. Kept getting their offense the ball back. Case Keenum was very good at leading field goal drives. They had a lot of them. Big win for the Texans. Just boost their playoff odds significantly. Devin Singletary, he looked great again. He's completely taken over Damian Pierce's role. He had 26 carries for 121 yards. Uh, no Nico Collins. Noah Brown took over. The bulk of the receiving, eight catches for 82 yards and a touchdown. And uh, a big one, Kiami Fairbairn was back, and uh, they'd had kicker issues with him out. He's four for four in his first game back. Just a massive win for the Texans. They needed it. And just an embarrassing loss for the Titans, who had been playing better at home, took out the Oilers jerseys and just blew the game. Will Levis, he played all right. He seemed to try to do too much, though, a, a lot. A lot of points, tries to make the play, tries to go through the defender, and got hurt late in this game. Uh, looked a little scary how he went down, but he seems to be okay. Um, I haven't really heard anything about that. Ryan Tannehill was happy on the sidelines, was hoping to get his chance. Good for him that he didn't go out in the field. Um, hopefully Will Levis can play next week, but Titans got to look forward to next season. Yeah, Tannehill's a joke, man. That was some of the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen. Um Braves uh, pretends like he stands for more than that, uh, but he'll see that clip and won't do anything about it. But whatever. Um, next game, next game here, Jets at Dolphins. Um, Jets back to Jets football. One hundred and three total yards. This game didn't look good. Simeon comes in for Zach Wilson. Uh, <laughs> what did we find out? Exactly what we knew. They both suck. Uh, Brees Hall basically didn't even play this game. He had six carries for twelve yards. Just did nothing. Uh, I honestly don't have a ton to say about this game. The Dolphins just didn't play around after choking last Monday. 
Uh, so good for them to not let another inferior team hang in there. Their defense looked otherworldly against the Jets, but once again, it's the Jets with Simeon and Zach Wilson. Uh, so not much I'm going to take away from this game. Uh, good for the Dolphins not to play with their food, and they just dominated this game. Uh, this game kind of shows how valuable Tua is to this offense just as much ty- as uh, Tyreek is. I came into this game expecting Tua to kind of struggle without his number one option and arguably the MVP of the league this year in Tyreek Hill. But he ended up dicing up this really talented defense, 21 to 24 for 224 yards and a touchdown. A beautiful ball to Jalen Waddle on that 60-yard bomb. Waddle, he played a really great game. Raheem Mostert, I believe, has 20 rushing touchdowns on the year or just 20 total touchdowns, which is absurd. But this is the game that you wanted to see from Tua. Couldn't get it done last week with Tyreek uh, in the clutch. The Dolphins bounce back. They shut out the Jets. They should shut out the Jets because they've got a really talented defense and the Jets suck. Um, And yeah, Dolphins took care of business. I didn't see much of this game, but the Dolphins, they needed this win to stay ahead of Buffalo, who we'll get to them later. They looked really good, uh, especially defensively, and they could have a really important matchup coming up for the division. Yeah, one week after Zach Wilson wins uh, player of the week, he gets lit up for two quarters, four sacks or two quarters. Had no time to really throw the football at all. The offensive line was a joke, and he left the game with a concussion. The Jets' offensive line is just abysmal. There's no reason Aaron Rodgers will come back and shouldn't come back. The, um, they have to work on this offensive line in the offseason to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy if he plays next year. Mackie Becton is terrible. He should be benched uh, weeks ago, but um, nine sacks, second most in the NFL, 10 penalties, third in the NFL. They didn't exercise his fifth-year option, so he should be gone from the Jets next year, and they should be looking to try to replace him already. He has been awful. Nathaniel Hackett, he's also been terrible. I get that he's an Aaron Rodgers guy, but every week this offense pretty much looks non-competitive. 32nd in total yards, 30th in passing yards, 30th in rushing yards, 30th in points, and 32nd in third down conversions. It's never good when you're in the 30s considering there's only 32 teams in the NFL, and that's just a big issue. Um, If Aaron Rodgers lets you, I guess, you have to move on. Um, You have to keep Rodgers happy, but Hackett has been abysmal. They have to get to running the football more. Like you said, Josh, uh, Brees Hall didn't get many carries, and it's just hard to win NFL games when you have absolutely no run game. Uh, their defense wasn't enough to carry them in this game. No Tyree kill. That didn't matter. Tua played great. And the Jets now have the longest uh, postseason drought in American major sports. Uh, they're missing the playoffs for the 13th straight season. And the Dolphins are continuing to try and fight for that bye. All right, moving on here to Chiefs at Pats. Uh, the Patriots did hang in uh, here for a little bit in this game. Uh, their defense played really well. Mahomes had two picks. Kansas City offense, every week it becomes a little bit more of a worry. But I just know come playoff time, Andy Reid's going to have everything cooked up and we'll probably end up seeing them in the Super Bowl again, to be honest. Even though they're at the lowest point they've maybe been in the past couple of years, it feels like the past month or so, month and a half, I still, if I had to put my money on who's coming out of the AFC right now, I'm still picking the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but Bailey Zappi played okay, not great. Uh, New England just couldn't run the ball at all. The Chiefs defense is just so good, which is just another reason why I think the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl and have a chance to win it. Their defense is just the best it's been in this whole dynasty, whatever you want to call it, that the Chiefs have right now. Uh, They probably got to win one more for that. But regardless, defense is phenomenal. 
offense has struggled. Mahomes has looked lost at times, but then you look at the uh, stats and he's right there at the top in a lot of stats. So even in his down years, he's better than most of the quarterbacks out there. New England, on the other hand, just dog shit, horrible team. Um, Their offense failed them, even though their defense played great. Uh, Once again, their defense is actually pretty decent. I don't know what they're ranked overall, but I feel like they always do a solid job. They rarely just get punished. The games that get punished in are the games where they score no points, like the Saints game. Um, but did they get shut out twice this year? I'm just thinking the Chargers and the Saints game, right? Yeah. That's At least, just, yeah. That's just abysmal to get shut out twice. Uh, but regardless, this is the worst Pats team of our lot of our lifetimes. Uh, we've been known that though. And I know people are gonna give a lot of hate to the Chiefs, and a lot of it's probably warranted, but I still think they're the favorite in the AFC. I can definitely see it, especially because throughout this entire year, Kelsey's been dealing with a plethora of injuries and being Mahomes' number one option, it's hard to develop that uh, just that rhythm with a guy that you know you have chemistry with, but it's just not always working out that way. But plus side of that, Mahomes is kind of forced to go elsewhere, and elsewhere is turned into Rasheed Rice, turning into a really solid receiver. He had nine catches for over 90 yards and another touchdown this week. He's been arguably Mahomes' most reliable target this year. It's weird to say that with Kelsey on the team and him playing a majority of these games, but Rasheed Rice has just popped this year, and I'm really impressed with what he's done. Sure, it's easy to say that it's because he has Mahomes at quarterback, but Mahomes has been inconsistent this year, at least for his usual standards. Chiefs come away with a 10-point win. Uh, I didn't really expect much less from them against a just flat-out inferior team. Like you said, Josh, this defense is going to have to be the driving force. Uh, in a push for the one seed or just maintaining their lead on the division with Denver maybe sneaking up behind them, but they've got a two-game lead over them right now, especially after their win and Denver's loss. But they're going to have to really rely on Pacheco to get a strong play-action game. Mahomes and Kelsey are going to have to build up a rhythm in the playoffs, which I think they can. And if Rasheed Rice continues to be as good as he is, that gives the Chiefs three really solid options on offense. And I think that's probably one of the best teams that Mahomes has had around him his entire career. Yeah, nice bounce back win for the Chiefs. Um, They have no issues with the refs in this game as the refs helped them in this one. Uh, Mahomes played solid, 27 for 37, two touchdowns, two picks. One of the picks was a Kadarius Tony drop. Uh, He continues to have that issue. Should have had an interception earlier in this game, but the refs called a phantom holding penalty on the Patriots. That just completely shifted the game. Patriots would have had the ball in plus territory, only down by four points. Instead, Chiefs get the ball in about the Patriots' 30-yard line, get a touchdown. That really was the game, that call by the refs. Like you said, Zach, Rasheed Rice, another great game. He's really looking like uh, almost their main weapon at this point. Kelsey's been struggling. Five catches for 28 yards. He just didn't look great, had a drop. Uh, even with Taylor Swift in attendance, that doesn't seem to help him right now. Um Matthew Judon, I don't know if you guys, did you guys see that tweet? Was that Judon that tweeted that after the game with the Chiefs and the refs, Mahomes kissing the refs? I, I didn't see that, that I but saw that the picture. hilarious. I, I saw the picture. I didn't know he tweeted he didn't, that. He didn't, tweet, he didn't tweet the picture. He, t- like, quoted the picture and said facts or something. That's funny. So, just trolling by them. Uh, Chiefs were the better team still. They deserve to win this. The refs did help them win this one. Uh, they got two separation, two games of separation between them and the Broncos. Now they should easily win this division, go to the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see them in the second round potentially have to play a game on the road. We haven't seen that from Mahomes in the playoffs yet. So, uh, 
good win from the Chiefs, I guess. All right, moving on to Giants at Saints. Uh, the first half was just full of punts once again, uh, something we have seen multiple times this year, just a lot of Big Ten football being played. Ended, I believe, 7-6 to six in the first half. And then just straight outscore from the Saints in the second half. They outscored them 17-0. to zero. Uh, Tough DeVito game. Uh, but with all these stories, you know that at some point it's going to come to an end. And it's that's just how it works. It's uh, He's a great story. His agent, his parents, everything is just – he's an awesome – looks like a good dude. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is still Tommy DeVito. And it's going to eventually go off the rails, and it did against the Saints here. Uh, they struggled mightily on offense in the second half. The Saints, on the other hand, though, they're taking care of business. Two games in a row, they played inferior teams at home, won those games very easily. Now, it was a couple weeks ago, it was looking like Atlanta. Now it's looking like it's going to have to be Tampa or the Saints because we'll, we'll talk about Atlanta next, but it's going to be the Titans and the Saints, or the Tampa Bay and the Saints. Yeah, I think it's probably going to end up that way as well. But Derek Carr, like you said, in the second half, the Saints offense really just picked it up. Uh, they didn't have a receiver who really separated themselves as like a a real contributor. It was more of a group effort because Chris Olave on Saturday, they rumored him to be uh, his status was in doubt for Sunday's game. And then on Sunday, they came out in the morning and said, yeah, he's probably not going to go. We're going to test him out in the pregame workouts, but it's looking like probably not. But the group got it done. Carr didn't turn the ball over. And DeVito, like you said, he just had a rough game. But that's what you can expect out of a young guy on a team with not the greatest surrounding cast. Uh, Saquon, unfortunately, just non-factor in this game. He only had 11 total touches. And I'm a firm believer of uh, if you don't get your best players the ball enough, you're not going to score and you don't deserve to score. And Saquon, Bijan Robinson, Aaron Jones for the Packers, uh, all those guys, they're super talented, arguably one of the more talented guys in each of their in their position. And you just got to get them the ball a lot more. And I guarantee you will see a lot more success if you get them the ball. Yeah, DeVito was shut down in this one, but Saquon was also shut down. And that's not a recipe for success for the Giants. We know they're not a good football team. Uh, only 14 yards on the ground and 23 yards receiving. The Giants are not going to win football games like that. It was nice to see Darren Waller finally back. He took his scheduled like five, six games off of the season. He had four catches for 40 yards. And for the Saints, Jameis Winston's pregame speech got him going in this one. They dominated. Derek Carr played great, 23 for 28. Three touchdowns. Kamara was solid on the ground and receiving. And the Saints are neck and neck with the Bucks to win this NFC South. They play them. Um, not next week, but the week after. That's going to be a massive game for playoff implications. Um, just uh, disappointed in the Giants' performance. They should have came out better, but the Saints are a good football team. Their defense is solid. Uh, I just want to say, insert the soldiers standing against the wall with the one clown in the middle meme for what Zach <laughs> just said about Bijan, Saquon, and Aaron Jones. Um, let's let's we hate not on Aaron Jones Saquon. here. Hold on, <laughs> let's let's not disrespect Saquon and Bijan here. Let's not uh, disrespect Aaron Jones. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to. Aaron Jones uh, has that, been rough this season. Yeah. He's, been he ba- he's barely played, and when he does play, he hasn't been outside of the Bears game. <laughs> We've won. So, regardless, I'm going to take the guys that can get on the field, even though leading us into the Falcons at Panthers game here, Arthur Smith continues to take B. John Robinson off the field. Um, I understand the taking the ball away from your running back if he fumbles. 
If he's your best player, I don't understand it. Hence why I don't understand why they did it here. Um, B. John Robinson's one of the most talented backs in the league. It's looking like Jameer Gibbs is going to have a better season. Whatever. Uh, regardless, Bijan hasn't had the opportunities that Gibbs has had, especially in the second half of the season, uh, which is surprising considering if you said that earlier in the year when Bijan was getting – well, Bijan was still splitting touches, but Jameer was really, really splitting touches. Now it's to the point where he's uh, dominating and Bijan's out here getting benched for one fumble. Uh, but the Falcons' defense played really well. Again, their defense is solid, and the Panthers are horrible. Um, I said last week, if the Falcons lose this game and did what Houston did, uh, they're cooked. They did exactly what Houston did. Uh, their offense was just horrendous. They only scored because they had one big throw to Johnny Smith, which uh, led to their touchdown late in the first half. Outside of that, they would have never scored. They were just sad all around. Um, yeah, that's just all I could say about it. Just sad for the Falcons to lose this. Their playoff chances are improbable now. Uh, this is just such a talented roster, and you hate to see it go. Uh, but Arthur Smith has to, has to go. Has to yeah, go. I only got two points for this game. Uh, one is I, I wish Carolina lost just to give me a lot more uh, emotional security for that Bears uh, first-round pick. And two is what the hell are you doing, Arthur Smith? Like, how how are you this inept? I just don't – I don't get it. It just makes no sense. How are you getting Pitts and Drake London five total touches combined – and then Bijan only seven carries and one reception. I just, they're easily your three best players on the roster, or at least on the offensive side of the ball. And against a team like Carolina, when you just clearly can't move the ball going to Algier and uh, Jonu Smith and Mac Hollins, what, what are we doing? Like you, you have bona fide studs at three skill positions and you just refuse to go to them. I don't care if it's Ritter's fault. You got to, just dial up some easier concepts so Ritter can get in rhythm and get the ball to those stars way more often. It's a travesty what we're seeing in Atlanta. Piggyback off of your point, Josh, Smith got to go. He's got to go, but apparently according to Atlanta, beat writers and everybody, uh, his job appears to be safe somehow. So just uh, wild. Um, Falcons just an abysmal loss. Uh, tickets for this game were about 45 cents. Very interesting. That it was pretty empty. It was raining. That was unfortunate. But the Panthers, they pick up a big win. And despite all of the offensive troubles from the Falcons, they were in this game and still should have won it. And Desmond Ritter just throws a terrible interception in the red zone. You could have kicked a field goal and the game would be basically over. Um, instead, you throw a pick. Panthers go down and win the game. Desmond Ritter should be door dashing soon. He probably will be. And um, Arthur Smith just taking Bijan out of the game. Ridiculous. He'd rather piss people off and basically like just piss off his fan base and everybody than I don't know. Maybe he just hates fantasy football that much. It is playoffs time, and uh, I think Bijan had 0.4 fantasy points. So next week, you shouldn't have to worry about the fantasy football playoffs because most of the people who have Bijan are out. But Bryce not Young, you. I'm happy. Not yeah, not me. Um, <laughs> Bryce Young. Bye. Yeah, that's that is true. Bye weeks are key. Bryce Young, I'm happy for him. He gets a win. Uh, had the game winning drive. Panthers running game was solid again. Chuba Hubbard, 87 yards on 22 carries. Their defense won, and Chris Tabor, interim coach, gets his first win as well. He was their special teams coach. At the end of the first quarter, Panthers were punting the ball. He called a timeout 
with one second left in the first quarter so his punter could kick with the wind. That's a special teams coach right there, helping his uh helping his punter. Um, just happy for the Panthers. They did it for their 48 home fans that were at the game. And they pulled the classic, if we're not going to the playoffs, they're not going either. And that perfectly brings me to my next point here. Check me out. Listen to the vision. Let me walk you through it. Cardinals. Bears beat the Cardinals this week. Next week, Cardinals play the Eagles. Eagles win that game. Last week of the season, they played the Seahawks. Seahawks are fighting for a spot. Cardinals lose out. That's three wins. Next week, Panthers. Green Bay comes into Carolina. That's a win for the Panthers. They're going to continue the dominance at home. Back-to-back wins. They're building something. They go to Jacksonville and get their shit kicked in week 17. They'll figure it out by then, Jacksonville. And then we move back. Week 18, Bucks come oh, into Carolina. Carolina eliminates the Bucks. The Saints go to the playoffs. The Bears get the number two pick, and everything falls apart. You're forgetting about the fact that the Patriots under the legendary Bill Belichick are going to win out this year. So, I, well, that's <laughs> why I out. didn't pick the Pats. <laughs> that's why I didn't pick the Pats. I think the Cardinals have a better chance of losing out of the Pats. But, but yeah, I see it. It's possible now. <laughs> if they would have lost, it was unlikely. Now it's the Bears are screwed if that happens. They're actually. Screwed I, I would be. I would be more than okay with taking Drake May at two. Do the well. What it's the gonna happen again. <laughs> I don't think the Cardinals are taking a quarterback regardless. I I don't, I don't think, think they so have either, to but... stick with Kyler and go Marvin Harrison, Jr. I agree, but yeah. I don't. I think maybe I think they trade it. I can see that. I think with the Patriots it. at three. I'm so excited for our mock draft episode. Like in a few months, that's gonna be hectic. I'm more thinking playoffs. How about you, Bob? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking playoffs as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving on here to oh, a team that is it's, it's a little, it's yeah, a little Bears victories. <laughs> Bears fans, Super Bowl is their mock draft, so. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I got a, I got a lot of those. That is the their playoff. getting heavy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, how, we'll see how that goes, but that's a while away, uh, considering that's April. But uh, moving on here to a team, that one team that is thinking about the mock draft and another team that is trying to get in the playoffs. Commanders at Rams. Um, Jacoby Brissett ends up coming in this game at the end and doing really well. Two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, He almost got them back in this game. The Rams defense locked up Washington early. Sam Howell just had no chance to do anything. The Rams defense is all over him. The big four of Stafford, Tyron Williams, Cup, and Puka Nakua, that is a dangerous four. And that is a team that no matter how much I want to see the Stafford return to Detroit storyline, I am just terrified of having to play that team in the playoffs. So I do not want to play them. I put out a tweet today of those four teams that I think it could be. Um, I would most rather – I would rather have Minnesota all day long than any of the other teams. Uh, but regardless, uh, too little too late for the commanders with Jacoby Brissett. It'll be interesting to see uh, if it's Brissett going forward. But regardless, it doesn't really matter that much. The Rams had to win. They won. And they got to continue to win. I think they can make the playoffs. I really do. I think they will. I mean, I think we've talked about their schedule a few times already. It's relatively easy compared to the rest of the field, uh, like Minnesota. They got to play Detroit twice and uh, Green Bay in Lambeau. So that's a tough game. So I, I don't think Minnesota's winning another game this year, especially if they have this um, issue at quarterback where Mullins is going to throw multiple interceptions in the fourth quarter when they're winning by multiple possessions. It's unfortunate, but that's the state of the Vikings right now. 
But like you said, that big four, especially Kyron Williams, he's been phenomenal since his return from the IR. He's put up over 100 yards in what feels like every single game. He put up 200 yards in his first game back. He's just, he's been dominant. He's been, that that's really the best word I could say. He's been dominant. He's been efficient. He's been so good. And Stafford is doing nothing but benefiting from that. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, they are very thunder and lightning at the receiver spot. They can both go up and they can both go deep and run a solid route, beat a safety, or just stay short and get some yak. They've been phenomenal this year, especially Puka being uh, drafted as late as he was and just bursting onto the scene. Thousand yards as a rookie and plus uh, as the season goes along. Aaron Donald wasn't really on the stat sheet too much, but he always makes an impact if you watch the games. He's always disrupting every single interior offensive line, no matter the team he plays against. But on the commander side, it's a shame that a really good Terry McLaurin performance kind of goes to waste. We, he's such a talented receiver. You kind of hope that he's getting a lot more looks uh, in a game-by-game basis, but he has a lot of games where he is like two, three, four catches for under 40 yards. And that's just because Sam Howell or even last year with Heineke, they just look the other way. And that's why Jahan Dotson's gotten a lot of uh, uh, attention in terms from the media because he's beaten people on his routes, but the quarterback play has been inconsistent, so he doesn't get all the catches necessarily. But the commanders, they're definitely missing Brian Robinson right now. I think a couple weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago, he went down with injury, and he hasn't been back since. So hopefully they can get him back, get some momentum going, maybe say a prayer for the playoffs, but I don't see it happening with their defense being as weak as it is. Yeah, I really hope they don't bench Sam Howell because I think a 2020 season would be very cool. He's got 19 touchdowns, 15 picks right now. Um, I don't know if he'll get to the 20 picks, but he should get the 20 touchdowns. Uh, he had nothing going yesterday, 11 for 26, 102 yards, touchdown pick. Out of all the quarterbacks to get hurt this season, it's pretty shocking that Sam Howell has escaped an injury, I'm pretty sure. 59 sacks, um, got to assume a lot more QB hits. Um, just... Uh, a marvel that he hasn't got hurt. Uh, Jacoby Brissett came in, and he played great. Colts legend, 8 for 10. He's a great guy, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Perfect QB rating in his play. Um, Happy for him. He's just a great guy, like I said. Uh, No Brian Robinson, like you said, Zach, and no running game for the Commanders. Couldn't find anything. And um, a rough game for Jahan Dotson. Again, it's really unfortunate. Only a catch for 12 yards. He's had a Disappointing sophomore season. I was expecting a lot more from him, but hopefully next year under a new coach, they can uh, get him going. And for the Rams, um, right now I think there's outside of like the 49ers, which is the best team in football, I think there's really two teams that are pretty scary right now. And I'd say it's the Rams and the Bills. They seem to both be getting hot. The Rams lost last week to the Ravens, but they played very good. And this week their defense dominated most of the game and their offense looked very good. Nakua, he looked great cup somehow just is wide open down the field on that one deep touchdown for him. He had 111 yards on eight catches. And Kyron Williams, he's played great. Um, Had a, too many fumbles yesterday, but still had uh, 27 carries for 152 yards and a touchdown. Rams, next week is a massive game for them against the Saints. That's basically a playoff game for the Rams. Uh, you really need that tiebreaker. And for the Commanders, you're doing mock drafts. It really is the – it's basically a playoff game season, huh? I love it. <laughs> it seems like we got, we got games all it. around like that. But uh, Best time moving on here. <laughs> yeah, moving on here. 49ers and Cardinals. Uh, 49ers dominated this game. The Cardinals had their moments, but overall, just another dominant Niners win. 
Purdy, basically another per- perfect game. He's going to win MVP. Um, I was saying to you last night, Mike, it's going to be tough for me to explain to my dad how Brock Purdy wins MVP and he's not a top five quarterback, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because he's going to win it regardless. Um, big week for the game managers, according to Cam Newton. Uh, Jared Goff was phenomenal. Brock Purdy was phenomenal. Dak was not. And who was the fourth one? Tua? Tua, yeah. And Tua was good. So, a uh, tough week for Cam Newton. Uh, but at this point, the Niners, it's only just staying healthy. You stay healthy, you're going to be – I see a very, very good chance right now, if I had to predict it, that we get 49ers and Chiefs a rematch, which would be cool to see. Um, and honestly, I really just love the 49ers in that game too. Um, but Tyler, he was not great. Uh, but the Cardinals don't need to be winning this game, especially with the scenario that I half jokingly drew out. But that is a situation that could possibly happen. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Uh, so they cannot be winning games if they want a shot to move up. Uh, but regardless, Niners just continue their dominance. Yeah, Purdy can definitely win MVP. He's probably top three, top two right now, maybe even one, depending on uh, if you have Tyreek up there or not. He's one on Vegas. He's number one on Vegas right now? Yeah. That's crazy. Which is usually just – that's just how you know who's going to win it, I feel like. Probably. But, I mean, you can still be extremely, like, valuable, even though you're not a top-five quarterback. Look at what the Niners are doing last year. Purdy didn't lose a game until he just destroyed his elbow. and the Niners fell apart after he left the game or once they didn't have any other quarterbacks left, but you could see their offense took a significant step back. And when he wasn't at hundred percent this year, whether it was a concussion or the offense just had a lot of guys missing, arguably the best old lineman in the league. And. Uh, oh, looking at it right now, plus one sixty for Dak plus one seventy five for Brock Purdy and plus five fifty for Lamar Jackson. So Dak is still right. one. Shocking. I mean, I could still see that, but anyways, uh, what's it called Uh top tackle or top offensive lineman in the league in Trent Williams. And uh, one of the better playmakers in the league in Debo Samuel, I'll choose my words wisely there, but this Christian McCaffrey was phenomenal in this game. It seems like every three, four, maybe five games at most, he just drops a three or four touchdown game and it's just normal. And it shouldn't be. He led the Niners in receiving. And one of his catches was, I think what a 39 or 41 yard bomb from Purdy so I don't know he's just he's an anomaly and he's gonna within this offense he can play until he's 35 and at the running back position that's basically immortal on the Cardinal side I think uh Kyler he's still just working the kinks out a little bit he jumped into this uh into the season a little late compared to everybody else recovering from that injury he suffered in November of last season and Marquise Brown he's dealing with that nasty heel injury he um He was active for both games, both uh, week 13 before the bye week. He had the bye week to recover, get back into the swing of things, and then came into this week active, but got hurt. That heel just kept flaring up, couldn't finish each game, finished both of them without a catch. But James Conner, he was sought on the ground for the the Cardinals, and Trey McBride continues to be arguably a top 10 or a top five uh, tight end this year, given all the injuries and inconsistencies with Mark Andrews and uh, Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, top five this year, tight end-wise, you could probably throw Laporta. I think you could argue Komet's in there as well because he's been very productive in the run game as a as a blocker and pass game as a receiver. Uh, Trey McBride's got to be up there as well. I mean, 
I don't know. You could probably name a couple others that are very much worthy. Dalton Schultz, maybe, or Trey Ferguson as well. They've both been really solid given their situations. But a lot of uh, solid tight ends this year that don't get enough. Oh, David Njoku as well. But a lot of tight ends this year who just aren't getting enough credit that deserve a lot more. And, hey, I love tight ends. I feel like it's weird if you don't like tight ends. They just don't get the credit they deserve. I think there's a runaway three in that. I agree. Kelsey, Andrews, Laporta. Yeah. And then I think that's where you have Kittle. Yeah, Kittle on the fringe, of course. And then I don't even know after that. I I feel like you could easily throw – I mean, talent-wise and just resume, I think – Yeah, Kelsey and Mark – Kelsey's up there, but this year alone, I feel like Kelsey hasn't been nearly as dominant – is what he's been in years past. Yeah, I was just, I wasn't really talking just this year, just like in general. Because Mark Andrews Yeah, in general, different. I mean, I think I'd go Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey in your top three because they're just so valuable within what they do in their offense. And then Laporta is exploded onto the scene, but I think I, I think he would have to be there just because how impressive he's been as a rookie in both the pass and run game. It's hard for me to leave out Cole Komet, but Njoku has been really good too. Then there's a oh, tier yeah. after that. I think after those Hawkinson's first four that you named, yeah, yeah, Hawkinson's five. It's those Hawk, four and Hawkinson, Hawkinson, right? That's the top five. Yeah, the way he stepped up after Jefferson went down, that was really impressive too. So, and then there's that's always an after those if you're five, just going off the top of your head, you always forget one. Or I do. Yeah, at least. after those five, I think is that's where you get into the tier of the Comets, the Njoku's, the Evan Ingram, sometimes um, McBride, maybe like those those kind of guys. I feel right. like are in that Connor next Henry tier once every four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> John Smith, Kyle Pitts. <laughs> John Smith when he's getting snaps over Kyle Pitts, but just John yeah. Smith without Kyle Pitts on the roster, bottom five. <laughs> Waller when he doesn't have a hamstring injury every week. Yeah, yeah. This was um just another big game from Brock Birdie. Uh, he played very good, but as much as he should be the MVP favorite, he had had great stats. I think Christian McCaffrey right now in the NFL should be the MVP. Um, 115 yards on the ground, five catches, 72 yards, two touchdowns. He's been, in my opinion, probably the best player in football this season. Um, he's the best running back this season, and he should win Offensive Player of the Year, if not MVP. Uh, Cardinals, they didn't give up in this game. They played tough. Jonathan Gannon, um, that's kind of been a theme of this team, that they don't give up. They continue to play every game. They had their season high of total yards on offense in this game, 436 yards. They had 234 rushing yards. They scored on six of their 10 possessions, uh, mostly field goals, but just got to get some kinks out and uh, score in the red zone. Trey McBride, uh, like you guys said, great game. He's be- He's been very good this year. Uh, him and Kyler Murray down the stretch have just been a very good duo. He had uh, 10 catches, 102 yards. Um, 49ers, their defense wasn't great today, but it didn't matter. Offense was humming. Uh, this 49ers team is just a tank. Uh, clinch the NFC West. Now they're just going to try to clinch that first round by. I I just think of it with the MVP thing. I agree. I think it has to be CMC over Brock Purdy. Like if you just go on that team alone, we're talking about most valuable player. If you replace Purdy with like a mid-level quarterback, like say like a Russell Wilson or I don't even know, Baker Mayfield, like just a mid, mid-level quarterback. And then, or you replace Christian McCaffrey with like a mid-level running back, like a uh, I don't even know, like I'm, whatever you get Elijah my point. Mitchell. 
Yeah, Eli- yeah, Elijah Mitchell. I still feel I like mean, you could argue it with both. Like you just go down two tiers in terms of quarterback, they could still operate really well. But if you go down two tiers of running back, they could still operate really well because that system is so running back friendly. It's just Christian McCaffrey is so talented that he makes it look so easy. And it's just insane to watch it. He has more touchdowns than the Steelers, Giants, Panthers, and Jets. Doesn't he already have over 2,000 yards this year? Or am I talking like that? Maybe I think total. he's over 2K. 20 touchdowns. Yeah, he's just insane. He's a fantasy cheat code, so. it's It's got to be him. So I joked around in the fantasy group chat that we're in the other day about how we might outlaw him next season. I think so that's completely fair. Do. I would do it. Don't let him don't let him play. Or just make it like there's like a 40 point cap. No player can score. He starts with a he starts with a 15 point like deduction. That would be cool. Or at least 10. I think 10 would be fair. Or at the end of every week, he gets a 20% deduction. I like that. I like that a lot. Hey man, I got some good ideas for you guys. You just you just gotta sit down and listen. Just rig it completely. Oh, 100%. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Moving on here. What do we got? Cowboys at Bills. Um, Mike, your picking of the Bills ended up working out in your favor this time. Uh, James Cook absolutely, yep, absolutely cooked the Cowboys in Buffalo. Josh Allen didn't have to do anything this game, really. He had 94 yards. James Cook had 179 yards. Uh, tough game for the DAC MVP. Uh, as we just looked at, or just I just mentioned I saw it on the Sports Center going across. Dak is still the favorite for MVP. That's kind of surprising, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Bills are starting to get pretty hot. If we're being honest, I mean they're they're sitting at eight and six now too, um, and they are at the point where they were what what was it six and six two weeks ago, and they go off to play in Arrowhead, and then Dallas comes to Buffalo. They win both those games. Now they're sitting in a great spot, a team that no one wants to play, especially if they get in at like a seven seed. You don't want to play the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think their playoff chances are just pretty pretty likely at this point. They're going to win at least two out of their last three. Uh, that game in Miami is a toss-up. But uh, regardless, the top of the uh, NFC East is tight again for the Cowboys. They're at 10-4 and four now. Uh, if the Eagles lose tonight to the Seahawks, they will be at ten and four. Uh, so then the NFC would be sitting at Niners at eleven and three, uh, leader of the NFC East at ten and four, Lions at ten and four. Uh, so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tight race, especially if the Eagles lose this one. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. I'm excited for this finish. We got a, just tight races in both conferences. It's best time of year. Not maybe not the best time of year, but it's a wonderful. <laughs> Uh, this game really put a smile on my face because all year I've been pounding the table for we got to see more James Cook. It'll take the pressure off of Josh Allen. Uh, getting a good run game in front of him will allow him to play less hero ball, which is where a majority of his turnovers come in. And you come out and you play one of the better teams in the league, arguably top three uh, in the league in terms of just talent, top to bottom. Like you said, Dak Prescott leading the MVP conversation, according to Vegas. But you give James Cook 25 carries, and I don't even know how many catches he had. I think he had three or four, maybe. But he had, no, he only had, he only had two, but for 42 yards and a touchdown. 42, but, yeah. but you give him over 200 yards. He's giving you 200 yards of offense against one of the better defenses in the league. That's grounds for celebration in my book. I that's a take that I am proud to stand by, and it works out for me. I don't have a lot of those considering I'm a Bears fan, but. Seeing James Cook go off like that and Josh Allen not have to do anything and they blow out a team like the Cowboys who have been blowing out teams left and right. Granted, it was on the road for Dallas, which they haven't always been perfect on the road, but they they came in 
did they go into Philly? No, it was in Dallas where they demolished Philly, but they came close to beating Philly in Philly. And yeah, Buffalo, they were toe-to-toe with them as well. But Buffalo, they're really scary. You talked about it earlier, Mike. Buffalo is one of those teams you don't want to see right now. They're getting hot at the right time. And if they continue to feed my guy, James Cook, look out in the playoffs because they this team might be able to finally knock off Mahomes and the Chiefs if they get the chance and if they're staying hot in the divisional round. Yeah. Um, luckily for the AFC, the Bills probably won't get a home game in the playoffs unless they're able to get a high seed and go against a lower seed. But this team at home is just a different animal. It's like the Cowboys. If there's a team you don't want to play at home outside the Cowboys, it's the Bills. Uh, six and two at home. Their defense is just in, incredible at home. Uh, they they were humming against the Cowboys. Cowboys couldn't do anything, couldn't run, really couldn't pass. Um, Prescott, 134 yards, no touchdowns and interception. Um, they really just couldn't get anything going against this defense. Uh, and the Bills offense, Josh Allen, he said uh, in the post game, he felt like the guy who showed up, didn't do anything on the, the project in school and got an A. And uh, he didn't have to do anything. James Cook, best game of his career. Um, good for him. Bills only had three players catch a football. Ty Johnson, Stephon Diggs, and James Cook. Uh, just a dominating performance from the Bills. I think the Bills are going to run the table, win out. Week 18 is a massive game against Miami. That could be a win and end game, but I don't know. Uh, I like this Bills team, and I just would be petrified to play them in the playoffs if it comes down to it. All right, moving on here to Ravens at Jags. Uh, Jags offense goes flat once again, second week in a row with the Trevor Lawrence injury. Right when they were starting to hit their stride, this injury has kind of taken the air out of their sails a bit. Uh, ETN has not been dominating like he did at times early this season. He's been really off and on. Uh, Ravens offense, uh, once again, not very convincing. For some reason, I watched the Ravens, and I'm going to end up going into a little rant on the Ravens here. But for some reason, I watched the Ravens, and even if they put up 30 points, I come out of that game being like, yeah, the offense just isn't convincing to me. The defense will hold somebody to under 10 one game and then give up 30 the next game. Super inconsistent. You never know what you're getting out of them. I know they're sitting at 11 and three, and a lot of people are saying they look great. I just, I can't. I, when I close my eyes and I picture the Super Bowl this year, I cannot picture the, the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. Their next two weeks, I mean, they've been going against teams where, like, the Chargers game, they didn't look great. They won by a good amount, but they didn't look great. Same thing with the Bengals game. They choke against Cleveland. Um, and then they go to OT with the Rams or whatever, and they win bigger this week. But, uh, next two games they got at San Francisco and then Miami comes to Baltimore. I honestly think both those teams are better than the Ravens. Um, I think if I had to pick the teams like that I feel the best about in the AFC, like I said, Chiefs still probably won. Uh, maybe I'm delusional for it, but I don't really care. Um, Chiefs won, Dolphins two, I guess. And then I guess, and then Ravens. Uh, I think the Niners are going to punish them on Monday night this week. Uh, and then I think they'll be in a tight game with Miami, but I still like Miami in that. And I think that could kind of take the wind out of their sails a bit. Uh, then you go into the playoffs, not on the winning streak you've been on all season, knowing that you haven't looked great in a long time. And that's where you start to get into trouble. And we haven't seen uh, – we're yet to see playoff success from Lamar Jackson yet in his career. Uh, so I don't I don't like to be a hater, but I just don't really see it right now with the Ravens. Uh, shout out to Isaiah Likely. I know we all see those memes of like, oh, after your football team loses, how many beers are you going to be drinking tonight? And it's just likely 80 <laughs> just because it's the back of his jersey. We all love those memes. But in absence of Mark Andrews, he's really taken this role in stride 
we we've seen a little bit of flash from him in preseason when Andrews doesn't get reps or uh, when Andrews just needs a breather for a, a couple plays within a drive and he gets a target or two and he can make a nice play up the seam or just get a little yak you know, short, like two or three yard dump off. But he he's becoming a very important part of the Ravens offensive success in the late part of this year with Andrews going down with that uh, gross injury a few weeks ago. And Lamar probably could not be happier. I, if Andrews comes back and he's healthy uh, come playoff time, I don't know if they've ruled him out for the end of the rest of the year, but I know there's been talks, especially closer to when the injury happened that he could come back. So if he does, I can see them going a lot more 12 personnel, get likely and Lamar and Mark Andrews on the field at the same time, get some real um, big bodies out there and force those linebackers to cover of the teams that you're playing against. And then if you get a prime Odell for a game, I mean, you might get four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. Combine that with uh, Lamar going for over 70 on the ground and just being efficient as a passer in his really good games. And then likely and Mark Andrews each getting over 50 yards on like four or five catches. You got yourself a real solid offense that can tear apart a lot of defenses because the defenses just don't have the talent to contain all of the talent that you have on your offense. I really like what the Ravens have done just this year after getting rid of Greg Roman. And unfortunately the Jags are on the back end of that. And Trevor Lawrence, he just doesn't look a hundred percent. And I don't know when he's going to look a hundred percent. Like you said, Josh ETN hasn't looked like that he did uh, in the first half of the year. And Calvin Ridley, he becomes way too invisible way too often. I wish I can blame it on Christian Kirk not being here or him being here, but he's been invisible a lot when he was here even. And when he wasn't, he did have a touchdown taken away from him. I think that was an iffy call. I think you probably could have called that a touchdown, but I think I think it was a good no call as well. Either way, you can't have Jamal Agnew being your leading receiver and expect to win a game. Uh, and your quarterback on a bum ankle being your leading rusher, that's just not sustainable. I think their defense did fine given the competition they were up against. The offense just has to be better, but they do have a ceiling with Trevor Lawrence being hurt. Um, to talk about the touchdown real quick, I think that was 100% a touchdown for Calvin Ridley. Agreed. I think the refs, the refs blew it. Also, the same refs that blew the end of the Colts-Browns game. Just uh, you got a little bit there. of a vendetta there. I, I have a vendetta against them completely. <laughs> um, Colts would almost need only one win to make the playoffs if it wasn't for the refs giving the Browns that game. But regardless, um, Jags struggles continue. Trevor Lawrence is also now in concussion protocol, so the concussion and the ankle. Um, Big game next week, I'm pretty sure, against the Buccaneers. That's going to be interesting to see if he will be good to go. Ravens, that's a big win um, with their schedule. They need to continue to win games. Um, like you said, Josh, they have a rough schedule coming up. Lamar dominated this game with his legs, 97 yards on the ground. Keaton Mitchell was looking very good. He had 73 yards on nine carries, and sadly on that last one, just got tackled weird, um, took a bad step really hyper extended his leg it was pretty leg it was pretty scary uh he has torn his acl the ravens luck with knee injuries especially at the running back position oh, is just rid- brutal it's ridiculous man um every time someone steps up and starts looking good um a knee injury and achilles something bad happens and they're right back to gus edwards uh no disrespect to gus edwards he's been very good for the ravens throughout his career um just hate to see it from Keaton Mitchell. I was really excited to continue to watch him play. Um, in terms of the Jags uh, tied at the top of the AFC South now, they have to also start looking at the AFC wild card if they can't continue to win these games. Uh, the wild card's extremely close, so something to keep an eye on. Um, 
nice win for the Ravens to fight for that first round by. Kind of circling back to your point, Josh, about like your top teams in the AFC. I think I might put the Dolphins ahead of the Chiefs. When they played each other, yeah, the Chiefs won, but but it was neutral field and the Dolphins didn't have Ramsey back. And we see what their defense has done at times since Ramsey has returned. He's transformed that D. Pause. He's transformed that defense. And it's just <laughs> they've they've been a lot better. So I, I think if they played again, maybe even neutral field or in either Kansas City or Miami. I think Miami comes out on top. I would be worried if I was a Ravens fan and I look at this upcoming schedule and I see a path where the Chiefs don't play anybody, the Bill- the Dolphins only have to play the Bills, essentially, uh, and, well, and the Ravens, obviously. Uh, and you see the chance to fall into the three seed, and you see how it's shaping up with the Bills having a good chance of falling to the six seed. You do not want that matchup in the first round because I think the Bills. Yeah, that would that would go really tomorrow. poorly because the Ravens don't score fast. Buffalo, yep. they can rip off a sixty-yard touchdown after a poor punt. The Ravens, their drives are methodical because they use the run game to their benefit so much. They Tom McDermott's not going to let away. Lamar run all over him. Right, that's a troublesome game. I think if you're a Ravens fan, and I'm sure Ravens fans have that in the back of their mind, they know. I, I think I they're probably just it. thinking that their team's good enough to win at least two, keep that uh, one seed, and just rest up for the divisional round. Yeah, and, and I don't, I can't imagine they think they're going to win in San Fran, but maybe that could be Dolphins a good game, game. though. Dolphins, yeah, that could be Dolphins game's a toss up. I think in Baltimore, I agree. I agree. But all right, we'll move on here. We're done with the games now as we're getting close to kickoff here on Monday Night Finally, Football. We're recording this. 15 of them. Ugh. 15 of them, yeah. Um, <laughs> But some studs and duds here at the end. I uh, hope you guys have a lot because I have a feeling you guys have both of mine. Um, <laughs> I've only got one of each. Oh, shit. Um, stud, Jay- James Cook. <laughs> no, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Wow. 25. 25- 25 carries, 179 yards. I had a feeling two you were going to take him, so I didn't go with him. Two, two catches, 42 yards, two total touchdowns. I could have been biased this week. I decided not to. Um, but regardless, James Cook was phenomenal. He was the sole reason that the Bills were so dominant in that game. He was great. Uh, for my stinker, or for my dud, um, it's a combination of Bijan Robinson and Arthur Smith. Uh, Bijan didn't play well at all in his time playing. Uh, he did fumble, so it's hard to say that he just got benched for no reason whatsoever. He did fumble, so he was not good when he played. Arthur Smith is benching his best player off one fumble. Uh, I think they're both in the wrong, and they both were a dud this week. So for me, my stud of the week was Jalen Waddle. He had eight catches for 142 yards and a touchdown. Given how they looked last week against the Titans when Tyreek went down, uh, he stepped up in Tyreek's absence. It was relatively last minute. They were letting Tyreek decide whether he was going to go or not. He ended up saying, nah, it's just not worth it. They ended up winning anyways. We all know how good that the Jets defense can be with Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. They got some solid safeties back there as well. They can get pressure on the quarterback too. Waddle going for over 140 yards and a score. Huge. Uh, my dud of the week, Travis Kelsey, only five catches for 28 yards. I feel like he, he's got to figure something out real quick. Granted, he's been dealing with some injuries this year. I mentioned that earlier. But his connection with Mahomes has been not as magical as we had expected coming into this type of season, especially after the first few weeks, after seeing how dominant their defense has been, because it's been a lot of uh, 
like Mahomes and Kelsey going off for 10 catches, 100 yards and multiple touchdowns because they have to keep up with the other teams. But now that they have these that they're not facing uh, these deficits or just facing shootouts in front of them, they just don't know what to do anymore. So it could be a little bit of him going to Rasheed Rice a little bit more than uh, any other receiver he has in the last couple of years since Tyreek has left. But Kelsey is my dud of the week. Yep. Uh, for my start of the week, you talked about it last week, Josh, how we never give it to him. Uh, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Um, he Another just great game. You could give it to him every week, but 115 yards, rushing touchdown, um, 72 yards in the receiving game, two receiving touchdowns. He's just incredible. Honorable mention to uh, Sam Laporta. He played great this week, three touchdowns. My dud of the week, I'm going to go with Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott's MVP chances. Uh, I guess he's still the favorite, but only 134 yards and a pick in a big game against the Bills. Honorable mention to the Steelers franchise for just the Steelers coaching in general. They chose to receive the coin toss at the start of the game and then proceeded to go three and out. And that's always funny. Yeah. I mean, the Lions always, for some reason, continue to lose the toss and the other team accepts it and then goes down the field and that just deflates you. So I understand why some teams do it now. I'm personally a, a kick guy myself, but yeah. But I understand if you feel like you have the play script to go out there and score and do it, the Steelers, you never, ever have that play script. So I don't know why <laughs> no, you would be doing never. that. Three and out. <laughs> never once had that play script. Getting a first down on the first drive of the game for them is a is a W. So I don't know why monumental. they would do that. Yeah, monumental. But that'll about do it for this episode of the Engage Eight podcast. As Zach said at the top, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on our socials in the description, as well as Spotify for all the audio format stuff. Um, we will be back recording on Wednesday night, releasing on Thursday the preview for Week 16 uh, of the NFL season. Uh, we might talk some other sports on there as well, depending on what we have time for uh, or if any big news happens in the sports world between now and then. Uh, but until then, we'll see everybody in the next one.